Father, I thank you for these gentlemen that are here today. I pray that they would be men that would honor you in every decision that they make. They would be the kind of dads that you want them to be. Because it's not about trying to please people, or, but dear Lord, most of all, that we would please you. That we would honor you. And that we would represent you well in our church, in our community, and those that were around. I thank you for everyone that's here today, especially the dads that came out. And I pray that they would be examples to their family as well as to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you a verse, a passage, Proverbs 3. Now this is from a father to a son. From a father to a son, Proverbs 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with the substance, thy substance, and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. May we take some wisdom from these verses this morning. I believe Braden and Dana has our special this morning.
Amen. Brayden and Dana did a good job. One of my favorite new songs to come along in a while is called the Revelation Song. And there's several artists and uh, different ones that have recorded that song and used it. Matter of fact, if you want to look along with me in Revelation chapter 5, this is where that song comes from. Revelation chapter 5. And uh, matter of fact, if you back up to Revelation 4, 9, it talks about worshiping the Lamb. And it talks about that up in heaven a scene. Have you ever heard that we're going to cast our crowns at Jesus' feet? Y'all have heard that. Many of you have heard that. Do you know where it is? It's in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10. And the 24 elders representing the saved around the throne. And a scene up in heaven that John sees. But the song that was just sung to us so greatly, and thank you all for sharing your talents with us, in Revelation chapter 5. And they're singing, man, the Savior, Jesus, He's worthy to open the, the book. And it says in Revelation 5.12, they, they sang, saying, I mean, I'm sure they're singing it, with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature, that means created thing, created being, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, all of them said, blessing and honor and glory and power unto Him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. That's a great song right out of the Word of God. And uh, just really, really neat. Uh, if you have uh, your Bible now, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and we'll take off. One of the, I really enjoyed, uh, recorded a couple of things, some really great week. And then on top of that, for sports enthusiasts, is that the Arkansas Razorbacks made it to the College World Series. Why should I bring that up in the message? Well, guess what? There's a thing called home court advantage. Right now, if you have a child living at home, you have what's called home court advantage. If you know anything at all about sports, you know that Home court advantage is very important in sports. You have it. Now we're going to talk about what to do with it in just a second. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Even if you don't have a Bible open, just stand and listen because it's His Word, it's not ours. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would bless the reading of your word this morning. And Father, I ask that you would bless every dad that is here today. Help us to be truly dads 
of courage, fathers of courage and strength and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for sharing that with me and reading this. Very, very important. In the introduction, simply titled this morning, The Legacy of a Dad. And I talked about a couple of things. Home court advantage, a concerned father, an involved father, a father that learns from their kids. Uh, Notice these lessons of fatherhood, and we'll get to those in just a second. Got six things that you say, oh my goodness. And imagine if I spent ten minutes on each one that's only a 60-minute sermon. And uh, I think I can go a little faster than that. I normally do. But listen, you have home court advantages, really, it's easily understood in sports. It's whenever you've got the crowd behind you. Now, right now, I mentioned that, and I, I don't know if it's in the bulletin or not, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I think I put it in there. I know I type, and some of it gets on there, some of it doesn't. But if you have a child that's six years old, you're, you've only got, you've got one thing. Imagine that. They've just got out of like kindergarten, first grade, they're just, there's not been long since you've got them potty trained out of diapers or whatever, and all of a sudden, your one-third of your job is done. Now, I know that this is the, the average. Most people leave home at 18. That's kind of the, the norm, but some, uh, you may be a young person that stayed all the way through college and uh, left at 22 or something to that nature. It, it, that's an average. It's just a number. Okay? But like in Patrick's case, he was seven. So, you know, if he stayed to 21, that's one third is done. I mean, it's that quick. We know that it's quick. I mean, you're, we're raising our kids and they're gone. Just think, if you have a teenager, you're two thirds and you say, well, I can't wait till they leave. You know, you may be at that point in their life. I don't know. But guess what? You've only got a little while before the concrete sets up. I mean, and when they get to be teenagers, matter of fact, I mentioned it to moms here a while back, and I'll mention it again because it bears repeating. If you cannot control a second grader, you will never control a teenager. Okay? You better have your thumb on them. I mean, there's, I mean, you better, uh, and when I say being involved, parent, I mean, I mean, there's a difference between being involved and being a dictator. Okay? But I like being involved. I mean, there's not... If you could just have a... And today, you can about do it. You can almost have a homing beacon with these modern-day cell phones. You can about have a homing beacon and radar those dudes in. Where are you? Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of technology you can use today. But, you know, the main thing is communication. Communicate with your child. Uh, My wife and uh, was visiting with some moms yesterday. And uh, we were talking about... uh, we were sitting around Sunday dinner table and talking about uh, uh, marriage and and uh, having kids and and somehow or another we was talking about the order of it and God's design of it and all of this and and everything. But and then all the subject came up and and Caleb was about four or five years younger than he is now, and he said, "Well, uh, how how does that work?" Marriage and having kids. So, we just, uh, Karen, her mouth dropped open because I just went Sunday dinner table and I laid it all out. Birds and the bees. You think that's not an appropriate place, but I guarantee you one thing. 
My kids are going to hear it from me before they hear it from anybody else. Okay? They're going to hear about the birds and the bees and how it all works. And, I mean, I'd use the technical name for all the parts and laid it out. And everybody who knows me knows I'm not, I'm not kidding. And you can ask them. Okay? Because that's called communication. And if, I guarantee, they're going to learn things later in life, but I'd rather them learn the spiritual way and the right way than the worldly way. Okay? There's, there's people out there that'll fill your children in if they have listening ears and you know they're hearing a lot more than they let on. I'm preaching one time and I'm preaching away and, uh, two years old and he's got his coloring book. His name is Quentin McKnight. And, uh, this is, uh, almost 20 years ago this happened and he's coloring away and they invited me over to have Sunday dinner with them, okay? And uh, me and the family went over there. At that time, we just had one child. It was a lot easier. <laughs> and uh, so, and all of a sudden, I said, what did you preach on, preacher? And that two-year-old said, you preached on the devil. The devil. With a B. Because <laughs> he couldn't say his Bs. <laughs> uh, you preached on the devil. And guess what? I did. I preached on First uh, Peter chapter 5. They're listening. That two-year-old was coloring in his coloring book, and you think I brought it to him just to keep him busy while the preacher's preaching? Folks, you can keep them busy while the preacher's preaching, but they're still listening. They are. They're listening to everything you say. And so you think that, well, you know, I can act this way at church, and I can act this way at home. Folks, they're catching more than you're teaching. Okay? So I've, I've preached it before. A lot more is caught than is taught. I'm just saying, why even preach this this morning? Because I want you to be dads and moms that would honor God. And it's not about raising your... Don't try to raise your kids like somebody else raised them. Don't try to copy another parent. Don't try to copy... An, raise them to honor the Lord. That's it. You don't have to copy me. There's no perfect parent on the planet. I'm not... Karen's not. Nobody in here is. We've all made mistakes. Be man enough to apologize to your kids. Tell them you're sorry. Tell them you apologize. Folks, all of us blow up, say stuff we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do as parents and and as spouses and as friends. All of these lessons we learn. Children are a gift from God. I really love that. Uh, I remember seeing the music video, that Kenny Chesney song, There Goes My Life. And it starts out in the music video, and it shows this star football player walking up the grandstand at high school, and his cheerleader girlfriend comes up to him. And along the moments of the song, basically, you get the gist of it. She's pregnant. And he's thinking, they're not married. And he's thinking all these plans he had. Thus the title of the song. Well, there goes my life. It's over with. All these plans I had, they're long gone now. And then as the song goes on, the next verse says this. A few thousand diapers later, that mistake he thought he made now covers up the refrigerator. And those blue eyes and bouncing blonde curly hair goes bounding up the stairs. And you know what he says? There goes my life. 
total change in priority. Then after she graduates, he checks the whole oil, slams that Honda hood, and there she goes with American Express card. <laughs> Don't leave home without it. My American Express card. And what does the song say? There goes my life. Children are a blessing from God. Precious gifts. I was holding a child the other day. This was a good while back. But a child whose parent considered abortion, but chose to keep it. And that children are a blessing from God. Now, if there's someone in here, and I don't know, but if there's someone in here that has ever, or you may know somebody that has went through the pain of an abortion. Number one, God forgives. It is something that I was counseling one time with a, a preacher's wife. They asked me to sit sit with them and, and talk with them because she could not forgive herself. Number one, before, when you ask God to say, God, I made a mistake, say, you must say, I forgive myself. You've got to forgive yourself. Every one of us in this room have made mistakes. Children are a blessing from God. Matter of fact, I love that passage in uh, Psalms 127. Just back up a little ways. <clears throat> and uh, this is really neat. Children being a blessing from God. Now, right, hey, listen, I know sometimes you want to kill them. Okay? <laughs> Oh, but did you know that's what makes a dad a dad? Oh, by the way, uh, the ability to birth a child and uh, cause, I'm trying to say it delicately because I've, I've, I've been criticized for how I say things, and imagine that, uh, to cause a woman to become with child. <laughs> Okay, does not make you a parent, nor a mom or a dad. You can be a biological mother and father, but that does not make you a mom and a dad. It takes somebody, you can be a mom and dad to any child. Being a mom and a dad means you'll take responsibility, that you'll, you'll wipe that snotty, Awful knows that you'll wipe the other parts that need wiping, even if you have to put on surgical mask and a clothespin on your nose. You've got guts enough to do it, okay? And take on there because, folks, that's the. It's not easy to be a parent nowadays, and the sh folks changing a diaper is a whole lot easier than dealing with some other problems that come up later on in life. But, folks, it doesn't matter the hard stuff, the easy stuff. Children are a blessing from God, no matter how hard it is. It says in Psalms 127, Except the Lord build the house. And I think this is talking about a family. 
They that they labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh in vain. You can work 70 hours a week, which you better not. And if you can get away with it, because mom needs help. Mom needs help. I know it happens sometimes. I used to work 80 hours a week at Sawmill. You can ask Karen. I'd come in in time. She would have the... We didn't own a shower. The Parsons didn't have a shower. It had a, a clawfoot tub. And she would have the water drawn halfway in because I dove in it and came out the other side and put on my Wednesday night clothes and went on uh, to church. And uh, it, it wasn't easy having to work half a day to Sunday to hustle back to be ready for Sunday night services. And uh, folks, if you're going to build your family up, number one, if you don't have God's help, it's all worthless. That's what verse 1 is all about. It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. And they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In other words, that you'll be known a man that serves the Lord. Number two, what are some other lessons you can learn? Number one, these pests are not really pests at all, but they are a blessing from God. Number two, we must love our children unconditionally, and they must know it. The story of the prodigal son uh, and the example of the heavenly father. Real quick, I put... You must love your children unconditionally and they must know it. Now, this does not mean that when your children mess up in their teenage years, it does not mean that you said, uh, that's alright son, uh, everybody drinks and drives. No, you need to stand vehemently against sin. And there's a bunch of, I mean, I could use a ton of examples for sins that our children do and have done, and will do. Do not condone sin, but let them know you love them unconditionally. In other words, is there something... Let me ask you a question. Is there something you can do to cause God to love you less? Then neither should there be... You know, you, you, know, you can love your children even when they do wrong. Uh, I remember one time going to visit my brother in jail. He said this, he said, uh, tell mom, I want to get out of here to bail me out. Uh, I'd already got word from mom, she's, she'll be coming to visit you, but she's already said no to the bail. You're just going to have to stay in here. Burglary of a habitation. Mm-hmm. Ended up turning his life around, went in the military, and uh, got it all straightened out, doing, doing well. He's doing well. And I'm proud for him. I'm proud for his uh, decisions he made. But sometimes, folks, the best lessons you can learn are from failure. But through it all, whether you're visiting a child or a brother, in my case, in jail or what, let them know you love them. But sometimes you must let them learn and reap what they sow. If you constantly save them, they'll never learn. They'll never learn, okay? Let them, let them, you know, let, let them learn from their mistakes. Number three, love your children's mother. And, uh, you know, and I put on here, I tried to sum it up, boy, I was really, uh, wrestling with this one. 
But folks, I had a young person, I'm talking young teenage person, come into my office, sit in a chair beside me, squalling their eyes out because they said, Daddy doesn't love my mama anymore. They're getting a divorce, and they did get a divorce. But a child that young, now I know, I've been there, done that. Been there, done that. When a child is sitting there and they say, but fathers in here, number one, if you're, if you're divorced and all that, and you got all these things, other complications, and, and it just does. It does. Been there, done that, complications, divorce just complicated. But the folks, if you're married to the, uh, uh, mother of your kids right now, I want to talk to you for a second. The greatest gift you can give your children is to let them know that you love their mother. Does that make sense? It better make sense because that provides so much stability. Number one, it's God's design. Number two, let me talk a minute. If you are in a divorce situation, and and I think my parents def- definitely were not perfect, and I know this is being recorded and eventually being on the internet, but I don't care; they can listen to it. All right. Number, my parents did do some really good things out of a bad situation that were good. Number one, they did not run each other down in our presence. They did. They didn't get along. They fought. They did. That's, that's a historical fact. Okay? But my dad would say, Son, mind your mom. This is after the divorce. We're not living together. Alright? My mom, the same way. They didn't agree with each other, but they backed each other up on discipline. They said, You need to respect your mom. You need to obey your mom. Vice versa. You need to obey your dad. Mind your dad. And looking out for one another that way. It's the same thing. The, the one that even, no matter, sure it's messed up after the divorce. It's not the perfect situation anymore. But it's still, you can do that. You may not always agree with your ex, but you can say, and another thing, I've seen this, as, as bad as some situations have been, you need to have a relationship with your dad. You need to have a relationship with your mom. Because a lot of times what they'll do is, is and I've, we did it. I did it, especially even after I was saved. I played one parent against the other. I was a typical 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old. I, you know, if I could get, if I could put the guilt trip on or put, say this, and well, dad did this, well, mom did this. I was a selfish child, still. I mean, I mean that's normal. But, Guess what? They, they weren't dumb. They saw that. <laughs> they weren't dumb. But they said, you need, they did not, I mean, I've seen it. Parents would run down the other spouse in the child's presence playing the child against the other parent. And that's wrong. That is wrong. If you've done that, you need to ask God forgiveness and don't do it again. That's wrong. Okay? And, uh, Next, you know, when I talk about Hagar, even though she was not God's design, God had respect in Hagar because of who the, the lineage, I know, Abraham, and it was going to be Abraham's seed that went through Ishmael. But he took care of Hagar even in her distress. It wasn't God's design, but he had respect 
because of who the dad was. And so it's a great example for us. That something that wasn't God's design, God can still say, hey, there's right things we need to do. All right? Time can never be recaptured. I thought I put it in there. But the book of James says this. Listen to me very closely. Y'all know the verse. I put that, you can turn over there. I don't have time to, 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 to go everywhere. But yes, it does say, life is like a vapor. James chapter 4. Man, it's like that. And y'all know that, especially anybody in here 40 or 50 years older and older. I mean, I've said that before and time and time again. How fast is life getting? And we just have them for a little while, so time is precious. As a matter of fact, have you ever heard this from your loved one? If I could just have some quality time with you. And guys go, okay, now, what's quality time? We have, we need definitions of quality time. You need to spend quality time with your spouse and with your children. You, but you're still, I have not defined it, have I? Well, let me go ahead. Quality time is something you can't plan. Well, I, I took you out to the movie two months ago. I took you out to eat last week. What else do you want me to do? Quality time. Well, here's what quality time is. Quality time can't be planned or bought. But quality time comes when you spend quantity of time with somebody. Did y'all catch that? Does that make sense? If you don't spend any time with somebody, your chances of having quality time with them are zilch. You've got to spend quantity of time with somebody in order to have quality of time. I'm too tired to throw a frisbee with you, son. Throw a ball, shoot this, and and just oh, uh, don't. And quality of time doesn't happen when you're driving your kids to reach your ambitions. Quality time happens when you're driving them to help them reach their ambitions. And if you model a godly behavior before them, they'll model it back to you. Uh, love the U.S. Open going on right now. One of my favorite golfers is. Uh, Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson is a right-handed person that swings a bat and a golf club left-handed, like my son. The way it happened was, was this, his dad golfs and bats this way. His son got on the opposite side of him and mirrored him. What's your son catching from you? He's going to mirror you, or child, that's what I should have said, sorry. Child, what your, your child will mirror you, whether you think they're looking or not. Time can't be recaptured. Number five, encouragement builds up a child. And according to that right there, I've got 12 minutes. This is perfect, because my goal is always to get you all out of here by noon. You all know that. I've been your pastor long enough, all right? Listen to me very closely. Nothing, one of my pet peeves, a parent speaking to a child, and any school teacher in here will tell you, they've heard it, well, you're just a stupid ignoramus and you'll never amount to anything. That's a parent speaking to a child, running them down, trashing them, 
Now, let's take it to the ultimate extreme. Now, this is in God's Word. The, all the examples of this, and that, let's take it to the ultimate extreme. I've counseled with and dealt with. One time, I had a lady come to me who struggled with having a relationship with her heavenly father because her earthly father abused her so bad. Now that's taking it to the ultimate extreme. Which tells me this, that if you can take that all the way, that a child can be abused and it harm them. Well, guess what? The words you speak to them can harm them as well. You know, you could go to the ultimate extreme of saying physical or sexual or those other kind of abuses that are atrocity. But just words. You can, you can mentally abuse a child. You can run them down. The Bible says our words mean something. Matter of fact, let's look at these scriptures. They're all right there in Proverbs. Again, written by a dad who made a lot of mistakes. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. The Word of God says this. A fool's... Make sure I'm... There you go. Get everything on the right order. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth him his shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Now this is talking about words that are spoken. There is... That speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. In other words, you're either trashing somebody or you're building them up. Verse 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. And then verse 22, lying lips are an abomination of the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. Uh, flip over to chapter 16, verse 23. Proverbs 16, verse 23 and 24. It says, the heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. In other words, guard what you say. Verse 24. Now this is when you're speaking to a child, or anybody for that matter. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. And then if you skip down to verse 27, it says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. Which tells me, and the Bible says this, the tongue is deceitfully wicked, and the heart too. And then finally, in Proverbs 18:21. This kind of sums it up. You know what it tells me in Proverbs 18:21? It says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. In other words, what you say to your kids are killing them emotionally or giving them life. Have you ever heard of encouragement? Be an encouragement. You're either encouraging your child or you're discouraging. Your words are precious. Guard them. Realize that it says you need to think about them. And then finally... And uh, let's go ahead and head there in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And this is the part that any kid in here really won't care for me preaching about. <clears throat> but that's discipline. Discipline is a sign of love from God and from us. Now, 
How many of you ever... Now, I want a show of hands. How many of you have heard this from your parent? This is going to hurt me a whole lot worse than it hurts you. Anybody ever heard that? Uh, okay, now, now some of you are like, yeah. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this. Now, I heard that. And I, I'm, here's the next question. How many of you, when you were seven, and that was happening, I'm just making up an age, it could have been 17. When, when that was happening to you, you believed it. Or didn't believe it. Let me see a show of hands. You didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. How could that... Two-inch belt! This is not fun! You know, there's a pain involved. Oh, by the way, parents, if there's not pain involved in the punishment, it's not punishment. You, but I mean, you can hurt them a lot of ways. You can hurt them with a belt. And the, back, and the Bible gives you perfectly clear instructions. It says on the back side... Alright? And don't, don't spare it. In other words, don't slouch off on it. But it could be a cell phone or a video game or the car. Take it away! Limit them! You know, give them one gallon of gas. That's it for the whole week, son! <laughs> See how far they can get. You know, make it hurtful. If there's no pain involved, but it says in the Bible, the Word of God, that it, why do you do that? Why are you whipping me, Dad? Why are you whipping me, Mom? Because I love you. It doesn't make sense right now. Folks, how many of you have been through a storm, your own doings or not, and you didn't understand it at the time? I rest my case. If God can whip you and you really don't understand it at the time, you do later. And folks, many of you didn't understand the whipping you got till later, did you? And then you thought, I didn't, and I think to this day, I didn't get enough of them because I snuck around and didn't get caught a lot of times. But you can't do, you can sneak around your parents and they don't always know everything even though we know a lot. But you can't do that with God, can you? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. It's the chastisement chapter. You forgot, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint. In other words, give up when thou art rebuked of him for whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth or discipline and scourgeth every son in whom he receiveth. Dads, we need you. Moms, we need you. Single parents, we need you. We need you what? Be the role model. God wants you to be. Be the parent. Don't just be a biological fill-in. Be who God wants you to be as we prepare for Him invitation. Father, I 
just ask you now, even if even if uh, we have people here that have empty nests and they're that uh, they can still be an example and an encouragement to their grandkids, to their kids, to parent to to their kids that have already grown up. I pray that they would take this job seriously and that they would fulfill your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.